Hey everyone, and welcome to Social Sport. I'm Emma Zimmerman, and on this podcast, I feature conversations with endurance athletes of all types committed to fostering social change. The athletes that I speak with on this show are climate change activists, mental health advocates, promoters of more inclusive outdoor spaces, and much more. Through Social Sport, I share the stories and thoughts of people who explore the connection between sport and activism in their lives. So let's dive right into it. Today, I'm speaking with Claire Mamie. Claire is an island guide, creator, and an entrepreneur who lives on the big island of Hawaii. Claire's life took a complete 180 when she decided to leave her advertising career behind, sell everything she owned, and live out of her Honda CRV for a year. This initial road trip led to adventures across the globe for three years before she landed in Hawaii and found a new home there. Her passion for nature, discovery, and outdoor sports led her to launch Kona Ocean Camp, a free diving and conservation camp on Hawaii's Big Island. Hi, Claire. Welcome to Social Sport. Hi, Emma. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm so excited to have you on today. So the question I always ask everyone to start is, can you bring me into your space right now? Where are you physically and mentally? Absolutely. Yeah, I just showed you a little preview of the physical space, but I'm in Hawaii on the big island of Hawaii. And I'm on my lanai. That's like the Hawaiian word for patio. And so I'm just sitting outside my house. We live, if you imagine a volcano and you like hiked up 3,000 feet up the side of a volcano, we live 3,000 feet up in the rainforest here. That sounds absolutely amazing. Yeah, for listeners, um, when Claire came on my screen, she has this beautiful backdrop of jungle around her that is so bright. And I am right now in the the darkness at 8 p.m. in Chicago and she's (laughs) 3 p.m. in this beautiful setting in Hawaii. So I am very jealous. (laughs) It definitely, yeah, makes a big difference to have this nature all around you. Um, Mentally... I think I'm doing better than it has been for a little while. I think with time settling into a global pandemic, (laughs) um, time definitely helps with that and finding new solutions to find a way to move forward. But it's a lot of questions and uncertainty, of course, that everybody's dealing with. So uh, I feel my own struggle with that and I feel the greater struggle with that and a desire to help myself and others as much as possible. For sure. Yeah, I think everyone is feeling a little bit of that right now. So Claire, you're originally from Lincoln, Nebraska, correct? Correct, yeah. Uh, So I, as I mentioned, I'm currently in the Midwest, and the environment in the Midwest obviously is extremely different than Hawaii. So I'm curious, how did a girl from Lincoln, Nebraska end up in Hawaii? (laughs) Yeah, um, do you want like – the two-minute version or, like, the ten-minute version of the answer to that question? Hmm. Maybe some, somewhere in between. Can okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could literally talk for, like, three days about what happened in between those phases, but I went to the University of Nebraska in Lincoln, 
And I really, like, when I was in high school, I really wanted to get out. I always wanted to get out. I was, like, so done with Nebraska from the age of probably 12. Um, and I just, I saw so many things in the rest of the world that I wanted to explore. But I received a full ride scholarship. So I went to business school at the University of Nebraska. And then as soon as I graduated, like, five days later, I moved to Arizona. And even during college, like I spent a summer in Guatemala studying microfinance and I spent a summer in Barcelona studying, um, teaching English as a foreign language. So I got my TEFL certification. A lot of people are familiar with that. It's a very nice. popular way to yeah. travel. Um, and then once I moved to Arizona, I lived there for almost five years and I worked at an advertising agency for most of my time there. Um, but what my time in Arizona did for me was reintroduce me to the outdoors in a very meaningful way that changed my desire for what to do with the rest of my life. Mm. Um, so I went from wanting to be a vice president of like a Fortune 100 company to wanting to live outside as much as possible. And it was all because I like spent all of my free time in Arizona mountain biking and hiking and I saw 200 trails in two years, 200 unique trails. That was my goal. Um, so that goal just like shifted the paradigm of my life. And then when the ad agency that I worked for went bankrupt, I was the only account manager that was still employed at the end of that bankruptcy. So my team went from about 42 people to 12 overnight. Okay. Um, and like my specific team of account management went from 10 to me. So I went from having like two clients to every client in the agency mm. overnight. And I stuck with it for a year or a year and a half after that. Well, that's a long time to, to <laughs> stick with it. I was expecting you would say you were, you were done after that. No way. Like I am so financially conservative that my reaction to that was, okay, I need to make a change, but I need to like be really planned about it. And I started Airbnb being my bedroom in my apartment. Wow. And I would the bed either- The bedroom that you slept in. Yeah. I had a one bedroom apartment downtown Phoenix. I lived alone, but it was like seven minutes from the airport, seven minutes from downtown in this hip neighborhood. It was a nice apartment. And I decorated it beautifully and like took nice photos, put it up on Airbnb, and I made 15 grand in a year by renting out my bedroom. Jeez. <laughs> wow. So like, you know, I wasn't making tons of money at the ad agency, nor did I ever receive a promotion or a raise, even though I was the only account manager left through our bankruptcy. Um, so like clearly I was of value to these people. Right. And I still love and respect those people. They're my Arizona family. But I was like, man. There's no reward in the system unless you switch companies and work your way, like not only up the ladder, but you had to like jump from ladder to ladder of all these different gotcha. places to get to the next rung. And I was like, honestly, F that. I am not a part of this system. I don't want to be a part of this system. I need to find something different. So yeah, my strategy to save up was Airbnb and saved up 15 grand. And that was like, it went straight into my mutual funds account. And I relied on that for an entire year of travel when I quit my job finally and sold everything that I owned, dropped my dog off at my parents' house back in Nebraska. Wow. And then I just traveled by myself and like lived outside full-time for a year. So that whole time that you were saving up that money and your room was on Airbnb, did you know that you wanted to quit your job and travel? Yes. 
Yeah, you that did. was okay, definitely so was the, the motivator and the impetus for that decision. Gotcha. And did you go to Hawaii directly? No. So that was now three years ago, three and a half years ago that that happened. Um, yeah. And I went from living in Arizona to traveling the entire West half of North America for a little less than a year. And then I went back to Nebraska to live with my parents and save up money again. Like that was always part of the plan, um, mm-hmm. even before I left for the road trip. But I found a guiding job while I was traveling on the road. And that was a huge part. Like the intention was really direct and pure the whole time of like, I need to find a new job that allows me to live outside. Yeah. Like a new way of life, right? But of, of course, employment and income is part of that. So that was my intention was to find that. And I told everybody that I met that that's what I was doing. So it didn't take very long to like find people who wanted to support my mission and offer me work in different places. That's amazing yeah. that you were able to find that. And as someone myself, I've done quite a bit of solo travel around the United States. And I'm super curious to hear more about your experience. Maybe we'll have to talk more outdoor because just more yeah. off air, sorry, because hearing that you did that much travel alone I have so many questions about your experience Um, and like hearing stories from other people who have done it is the biggest empowerment to anyone else who wants to do it for sure yeah yeah I think so too and I think you don't hear as much about women doing it and that was scary to myself when I was traveling alone yeah I think I was often on edge because you don't hear as much about women traveling alone. Or if you do hear it, it's like the scary stories that people like, you know, our media loves negative and sensational stories. And so the only stories you hear are the bad ones. Absolutely. Yes. Mm -hmm. So you talked a little bit about your business background and it seems like you've really used that because now (laughs) you have a Kona Ocean Camp, but you've used it in a different way than I'm assuming you expected. Uh, Yes and no. Yes and no. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, what do you mean by that? Yes and no. Um, I definitely have known forever that I wanted to start my own business. Mm -hmm. And I've always had the question of like, I'm just like excited to find out what's it going to be. You know, I never had any attachment to having a specific idea about it, nor like a time frame. I never felt any pressure to do it in any certain time or any certain way. I was just waiting for it to come to me. I was like, I know it'll come someday and it's okay if I'm like 25, it's okay if I'm 65 and I don't Mm -hmm. care where it is or what it is, but I know I'm going to start my own business someday. So that's been like a part of my intuitive self forever, honestly. And I got a business degree because I knew that I would change my mind a billion times about what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And I wanted it to be flexible. I was like, I'm going to live in a world where I can change my career every two years if I want. Yeah. So what's the degree that fits that world the best? I think a business degree is the answer. I love that mindset, that flexibility, um, because I think that's the reality, especially our generation uh, wanting to change careers and not wanting to be tied down as much. Uh, So you started Kona Ocean Camp. Could you give a little rundown of basically what Kona Ocean Camp is? Absolutely. Yeah, I've been testing my 30-second elevator pitches on this (laughs) lately with all my free time. Um, So Kona Ocean Camp is a five-day and four-night outdoor adventure experience based on the Big Island of Hawaii where 
we camp on this black sand beach just south of Kona and we do a two-day freediving course as part of the experience as well as a full day of ocean conservation and then uh, farm to table like dinner tour as well as everything else as a part of like the fuel of our journey is locally based intentionally based like farm food local organizations who give back to the community who give back to the ocean and to the earth so i really have put a lot of time into picking the best organizations and the best people to give a meaningful experience to this outdoor adventure yeah and i love that focus on community and forming these partnerships with other folks in the community that you've Uh, created. And we'll definitely go back to that. But first of all, as you know, this podcast is about sport and social change. And I know that Kona Ocean Camp is focused primarily on free diving, but there's Mm -hmm. also some yoga and hiking component. Why those sports in particular? Yeah, free diving is definitely the number one focus. When you're taking your free diving one class, um, it takes two full days to do that. And it's a really intensive course mentally physically and maybe even spiritually for a lot of people um and the same thing with yoga right like a lot of people think of yoga at least from my impression of my interaction with people who have not done a lot of yoga they think of it as like oh i'm not flexible enough or i'm not strong enough for that or like i'm not the type of body that is okay to do yoga and i both want to like shake them and also hug them and be like no (laughs) yoga is not about any of those things yoga is technically a lifestyle right there's so many more things about yoga than just the poses or the asanas it's about a way of living that is in tune with nature in tune with self that is aware and that is a lot about meditation like the number one purpose of yoga is to facilitate better meditation and pre-diving is a lot like meditation as well So they go together really well and they prepare your mindset to be better at the sport and to be better as a person, in my opinion. Yeah, I love that. And I love what you brought up about meditation within yoga and free diving, because I think a lot of people consider meditation just sitting and meditating, you know, a kind of passive experience. Pure form, yeah. There's a lot of people who will argue either side of that. And I think it, I was thinking about this the other day that my old boss used to tell me that mountain biking doesn't count as meditation. And I was like, A, I don't think anyone's allowed to tell anybody else what is or is not a meditative practice for someone. Mm-hmm. And B, like, yes, I don't know. I, it is not truly meditation unless you're doing nothing, being nothing, thinking about nothing, like the only purest form of meditation is to be in a state of non-being. So if you are doing a sport, you can't be in a state of non-being. You have to be doing something. But the thing, I absolutely love almost that idea that you can allow yourself to do something and be meditating. Because I think a lot of athletes, and speaking from my own experience, I feel like I have such a loud brain that it's very hard for me to do nothing. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate the meditative feeling that comes with activity. I feel like I need to be doing activity for my brain to meditate. And so I really appreciate that you have that thought on meditation. So what does an average day at Kona Ocean Camp look like? Uh, There's five days and every day is definitely different, but there's always beach camping. So every night we'll be camping on the same beach 
It's this beautiful black sand beach that is operated by a Hawaiian family that I know quite well because I've been camping there with my other tours for the last year. So um, yeah, it's this amazing beach with like all these handmade canoes and there's like rainbows in the evening usually. And the coral reef that is their house reef there, you can just like unzip your tent and go snorkel this reef at any point in time, which is really neat. And then definitely cooking together. I think a big part of community and bonding is sharing meals together and sharing like really wonderful, healthy of the land sort of meals. So that's definitely a part of every day. And then no matter which day it is, you're learning something and doing something really active. So there's the two days of the freediving course, like we talked about. There's also the middle day, day three is dedicated to ocean conservation, both like on an education standpoint and a hands-on activity standpoint. So we'll be cleaning up at a beach. We will be touring the host campus, which is uh, the Ocean Science Technology Campus of Hawaii and uh diving with mantis yeah i loved reading about that ocean conservation day piece of kona ocean camp and i'm curious where you came up with that idea and why why conservation is so central to this camp Mm, it probably started in bali when i took my first freediving class there and one of my coworkers. so i was working in outdoor education in malaysia and my coworker there, it was the first time I had ever had a co-guide. And it was the first time I'd ever had a co-guide that was a woman. And she like totally changed my life as one of my best friends now. And she's a freediving instructor. So she invited me to spend a week with her in Ahmed, Bali, which is one of like the very central locations for the freediving world. There's just a ton of schools there. Like a lot of people say that freediving started there, modern freediving started there. Um, and she invited me to take her course. It was the first one that she ever taught. So I got a little like work trade discount and, you know, because she's my best friend, I like got to stay with her the whole time and Mm -hmm. got immediately introduced to her community there. And everybody spent all of their free time doing meaningful ocean conservation work when they weren't training to free dive. And I was like, what a beautiful, incredible local community she has built and found here. And it was so inspirational for me. It was like the capstone to me traveling by myself for three years. It was the last couple weeks that I spent before I came to Hawaii, was there in Bali with her and with those people. So yeah, I was like just super inspired by the people that I met there and how they treated me and how they treated their free time and the earth and their habits and like how much intention went into every single decision, like even just going grocery shopping with them and they refused to buy anything that had any sort of packaging or plastic that is non-renewable. So yeah, they opened up my eyes to what is possible for a sport community. That sounds like a really beautiful experience and a great mentorship too. What pieces of that experience in Bali in particular, did you bring with you to Kona Ocean Camp? Oh, man, as much as it as I could, like, definitely the approachable nature of it. I think a huge part of what makes sport approachable for anybody is to have an invite from somebody who you trust. Mm-hmm. 
And I think most of us have that story of like how we started with a sport was because of a friend or, um, you know, someone meaningful to us, just giving that invite to us. And that makes all the difference. So I definitely want to keep that feeling of like a personal invitation to something incredibly special. Um, and then just being a really tight-knit community that keeps each other accountable and motivated because when you can share those values and those practices with other people, it really, really makes a difference in your own motivation and your own just like resonance with those values, I guess. Mm. Yeah. And I, it's so interesting to me that you have this focus on community through free diving, because I think when a lot of folks think about diving, they don't necessarily think about community. They think of it as a more individual sport, or maybe that's just myself. Maybe that's just me. Um, but in my understanding, and so that's really interesting that you've found this community really through free diving. Is that unique to free diving or is that all types of diving you think? Um, you know, a lot of people, I started with scuba diving before I did free diving, mm -hmm. but it wasn't long before, um, that I got my open water in Malaysia in March last year. And then I did my free diving course in May in Bali. So I had like a short introduction to the scuba diving community and then a lot more of a personal invitation to the free diving community that made a huge difference. But what I noticed with scuba divers is that it's like a really short term community and it's a much larger by number community throughout the world, right? Like scuba diving's been around longer. It's a little bit more approachable to everybody and yeah, the community is there, but it, in my opinion, and just from my own experience, it was only for like the week or the two weeks that they're in the same place at the same time. And that's where it ends. Okay. Whereas with freediving, it's such a small group of people that can now be connected because of like global technology. Um, but they tend to stay more connected and have a little bit more of like a deep level connection than what I found with scuba diving. And there's also, so when you're free diving, you should never free dive alone. Like first thing mm -hmm. that I feel like I have to say <laughs> from what yeah. your impression was, nobody should ever free dive alone. Does it happen? Absolutely. There are a lot of deaths that happen in Hawaii because spear fishers will go up out by themselves and go spearing and whatever will happen, they push themselves a little too far. It only takes 30 seconds to drown, right? Mm -hmm. Like once you come up for air and you're reaching hypoxia or levels of not enough oxygen in your brain, you're beginning to black out. And it's actually like not a terrifying experience as much as you would expect it to be. It's kind of beautiful and ethereal and you're like getting really twinkly and like tingly and kind of reaching the other side. And so it doesn't feel like a big deal to that person. And then all of a sudden they try to come up for air. They're beginning to swallow water and take it on into their body. And it takes no more than one minute mm -hmm. for them to be gone and never found again because they just go into the ocean current. So you should never be freediving by yourself and you should never be freediving with somebody who doesn't take safety precautions seriously and is not a good partner. And it takes a lot to be a good partner to be right there with that person when they come up every time and be ready to save their life every time mm -hmm. that their head comes above the water. So the amount of trust involved with your freediving partner because of the amount of risk inherent to freediving is a huge part of, I think, what creates that closer bond. Got it. Yeah. 
And I want to really quickly, because I'm realizing listeners may not know the difference between scuba diving and free diving. So could you give a, a quick rundown of that difference? Yes, absolutely. Uh, scuba has a really interesting history that you should listen to if you get bored and want to know how breathing apparatuses were invented. But scuba always includes a breathing apparatus, right? You have a tank of oxygen on your back. You have a respirator that you are re-breathing oxygen from that tank the whole time that you're underwater. Freediving has no equipment except for your mask and your snorkel and maybe a wetsuit and your fins. Um, so you're not relying on any external assistance and you're not re-breathing oxygen underwater. You are holding your breath for as long as possible and going, there's a lot of different disciplines, but the basic idea is that you're going as deep as you can or maybe as long as you can holding your breath under the water. Mm. All right. Yeah, that's so interesting. And actually, I did not know that difference. I'll be exposing myself right now until I <laughs> went to interview you and then learned about this. And it's that a really was so interesting thing. to learn about for sure. So I want to go back to, you've spoken a lot to the partnerships that are really important to the sport, to the conservation work that you're doing, and really everything at Kona Ocean Camp. There's the partnership between divers. There's the partnership with community members and the beach that you sleep on. So I'm curious, could you tell me a little bit more about those community partnerships that are so crucial to Kona Ocean Camp? Yeah, um, I think I can tell it in a story version that might be more interesting that there's a zero waste group. It's called Zero Waste Big Island. And I found it because a friend of a friend added me on the Facebook group. And I will just like quickly say that I think Facebook is totally worth it just for the groups. If you're not in any Facebook groups right now, it's a saving grace for the value of Facebook. But I was added to the zero waste group and it's something that has been a to-do on my list for a while to get deeper into zero waste lifestyle, like habits and knowledge and community with that. But because I've been traveling the world for three years, like I just didn't have the time and space to be in a community and like dig into it. So I was stoked. I was like, all right, Zero Waste Big Island group joining, went to the first meeting that I possibly could and met everybody there. And I met Tara who works at, it used to be called Friends of Nalha and they just changed their name yesterday to uh, Keahole Sustainability Center. Right. Essentially they're like a Friends of Nonprofit. You know how every national park has a Friends of Nonprofit? Yes. It's like that, but for the Hawaii Ocean Science and Technology Campus, where okay. we will do tours, right? So she works for the nonprofit that connects all of the 50 organizations on the campus and connects those organizations to the public. Mm -hmm. So she gives tours, she does education, she does events, um, and she's awesome. And we just like, you know immediately clicked and she was great and we became friends on Facebook and I utilized that group a lot to get feedback about ways to change both my own personal habits as well as practices on tour because I've been leading camping tours the whole time that I've been living in Hawaii it's almost been a year now and I would notice just like using Ziploc bags to store things in the coolers was not a sustainable habit mm -hmm. and buying things at Costco all the time in bulk in huge containers with more plastic containers under the plastic containers. I was like, I can't do this. This is killing my yeah. soul. 
to do and this all the time. Get used to these these habits, these creature comforts, and it's so interesting and sometimes hard to realize that you can take steps to get rid of these little habits that have just become so comfortable to us. Yes, and I want to make that a part of every tour, regardless of whether it's Kona Ocean Camp or I also work full-time for Hawaii Outdoor Guides, um, and that's who I do these camping tours with. So as much as I can, I just try to set the example with every tiny piece of interaction, of purchase, of, yeah, like material that's involved with the Mm -hmm. tour. I just try to make sure that it's as sustainable as it can be. And it's not something we even advertise. It's just like a personal mission. Mm -hmm. So that fed into the zero waste group. I went to the first meeting and then I worked so much that I couldn't make it back to any more meetings, but I was dying to go on a tour of the campus. And finally I reached out to Tara to be like, can we do a tour? And maybe also like, do you think we could do a day tour with Hawaii Outdoor Guides and the host campus? Do you have any tour companies that are currently Mm -hmm. doing that? And she's like, you know, we used to have this one tour company do it sometimes, but they haven't been here for years, but we'd totally be open to a partnership. Yeah, that'd be great. So I went and talked to her and Candy, the executive director, and, you know, we talked about, like, what might a day tour look like for Hawaii Outdoor Guides, and what are you doing right now? What are the different tours? You know, what do they encompass? And we were just talking about all these things and kind of walking around. And I told them my idea to make my own LLC to do a five-day camping tour that also included a freediving class. And these girls are both freedivers, so they understand Mm. a lot of people in Hawaii are. It's just kind of part of the landscape. Mm. And they were like, oh, my God, nobody's doing that. You should totally do that. Like, that's so exciting. And they were so on fire about it that they wrote down all these ideas and sent me all these contacts. And they were just like, you have to do this. You absolutely are called for it. It's perfect for you. And the market is perfect for that. So I was like, okay, cool. So it seems like a lot of Kona Ocean Camp really arose directly through these community relationships you form. Exactly. Yeah. That's the only reason it exists is because Tara and Candy believed in me that day and told me who else to talk to. And as soon as I talked to those people, they were like, hell yeah, we are so on board. Like, this is something that everybody who I've talked to has considered doing something similar to it, but never had either the resources or the time or like the focused idea to make it a reality. So it's just funny that it's been a part of like Hawaii's collective consciousness and I'm finally able to put it on paper. For sure. And how about the partnerships with families in the community? Um, I know you mentioned like the beach that you all camp on. How did those relationships arise? That's been a really long-term one with Hawaii Outdoor Guides and Ho'okena. So the beach is called Ho'okena. The nonprofit associated with the beach is called Friends of Ho'okena. There's kind of a long story behind it that I don't really feel like I have the right to tell as someone who's not Hawaiian. But as is common with every tract of Hawaiian land, it was overtaken from families Mm -hmm. who used to have it and own it and used to build something either for the state or for public use or for profit for some company, right? And so the Friends of Nonprofit does its best to give money back to the family whose land that originally was, to the community who is still Hawaiian, who exists there, um, and also doing more educational work. So like Alston, who is one of the uncles who's been in charge there for a long time, is a super talented fisherman. 
and he crochets his own nets. There's like a very traditional type of Hawaiian net that takes weeks, if not months, to crochet, and it's huge. It's like ginormous, mm -hmm. and they can catch all kinds of fish on it, but they like go out in their double-hold canoe and throw their net over the side and catch all these fish, and it's this ancient Hawaiian tradition that's quickly being lost. So there are a lot okay. of grants out there to help him teach people how to do that. But that's also part of the nonprofit is to raise money for educational things like that. Gotcha. Yeah, I love how much Kona Ocean Camp is focused on honoring not just this place that you're in, but also the people that are originally from this place and just every, it seems like every aspect of the big island you're really trying to honor with uh, Kona Ocean Camp. And I'm curious, what is so special to you about the environment of the big island? Oh, man. The Big Island is so incredible in that, okay, there's several things about it. We'll start with number one, it's the newest landmass on our planet mm -hmm. that's habitable, right? Because we are living on four active volcanoes, one extinct volcano, but we are really close to the hot spot that's under the Pacific Plate. And I won't get too deep into the <laughs> geology lesson mm -hmm. behind it and how it's formed and everything, but it's brand new volcanic land. And if you went to the top of the volcano where I live that we just talked about, like I'm 3000 feet up of the side of it. But if you went to the top of it at 9,000 feet, you could find coral from when it used to be under the ocean. And that mm -hmm. was only a couple hundred thousand years ago. And then if you went all the way up and down Mauna Kea, which is the tallest mountain in the world if you count it from the ocean floor, you would find every ecosystem you could ever imagine from like desert to oceanside to rainforest to dry forest to cloud forest to uh, snow at the very top of it. Mm. There's snow. Yeah, it's the only place in the world that has all of these factors <laughs> together. With, yeah, yeah, it sounds like a really it. magical place environmentally. And yeah. I apologize if you hear in my environment right now, there's a massive thunderstorm. So if you hear that in the background, really? I apologize. It's okay. Um, there's like a dump truck down the street beeping. Oh, and stuff, so. Yes, there's a few sound distractions going yeah. on. So I'm sorry to you and listeners if you hear that. But I have a bit of a fun question right now because, of course, I've been looking at the Kona Ocean Camp Instagram, and I noticed that you have the most beautiful, colorful meals. So I have to ask, what is the most delicious thing you've eaten at Kona Ocean Camp? Oh, man. Um, I'm trying to replicate my favorite recipe from the freediving school that I went to in Bali that's like chia seed pudding with actual cacao powder, you know, made locally, and then dragon fruit and honey and homemade granola. And you have to layer it. It's like a perfect parfait where it has the hot chia seed pudding, the cold yogurt, the homemade granola, and then the dragon fruit layers in between it. And like the pink color is also a beautiful part of that. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Love any sort of combination of fruit and seeds and all that all that good stuff. We might have to link a picture in the show notes for everyone. For sure. <laughs> Do you have any future goals or what are your future goals for Kona Ocean Camp, either the conservation aspect, the sport aspect, community relationships? What do you envision, envision for the future? Um, that's a great question. It's been hard to 
put a lot of time and intention toward future casting at this exact juncture mm -hmm. in time um just because of like the world's state for sure. but for sure creating as many meaningful relationships between the individuals who can come and participate like between them with each other as well as them with the ocean um I was listening to a podcast this morning about effective altruism mm -hmm. and the fact that just you living your life according to your values and super in line with your values, if you can find one other person who shares your values but is not living their life in alignment with those values, if you can just get one person to change their lifestyle in order to be in line with their values, you've doubled the effectiveness of your altruism in your life. Wow. And so I guess in this potential future, I have the opportunity to like quadruple or times 10 or times 20 or times 40, like who knows, however many people are able to come and be a part of this event, I can change the effect of altruism of myself and those people and that ripple can affect the entire world eventually. Like that's how change happens. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. And Claire, it seems like you are really an incredible example of living in line with your values. I mean, talk about leaving your job and just moving out to this beautiful place to, in essence, pursue your values and pass them on to other people. So I absolutely love that. And thank you for, for sharing that. That's a, a beautiful goal to have. So we're getting about ready to wrap up and I want to ask you the question that I ask everyone on the podcast. I know Kona Ocean Camp is focused on conservation and sport. So what do you believe, or sorry, why do you believe sport is such a powerful platform for social change? I was thinking about this question all morning while I was working at the farm because I think it's not an easy question. Like there's so many layers to it. But I think that sport has been a tool in our society that is one of few institutions that brings values to people and like introduces them to what a value set looks like, what teamwork looks like, what social justice looks like, right? Mm -hmm. And sport is a way for people to relate to each other and to those values that then can translate into activism once they like have that first step of being involved in the sport being involved in that sports community and then caring about each other in that community that's like the thing that can be encapsulated and then translated into another cause later so I think it's the institution that allows for values to be built and agreed upon and then assigned to something else that's also of value like a, a different cause that doesn't involve support so you know, like we were talking yesterday about concussions because I hit my head really hard <laughs> at the farm oh, no. on, the, on the beam that is like way too low for me. I'm a very tall person. And we were talking about football and concussions and why people in football care about concussions. And then, you know, I didn't realize this connection between when folks who experience a lot of concussions get older when they're in their 30s and 40s, their brain swelling is so massive that it really affects their mental health. And that's where a lot of suicide and violence and just like not well-being mm -hmm. comes into play. 
And that's why domestic violence is connected to the sport of football a lot of time and like activism toward preventing domestic violence Mm -hmm. is because of the frequency of concussion in that sport. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking about that this morning when I was thinking about this question of like, okay, activism and sports and how is it connected? And it's like, it can be something as simple as that, that football can raise awareness about domestic violence whether or not it's because of a concussion because everybody as a part of the sport values treating each other well and being healthy and like managing risk the right way and enabling other people to be in a state of mental wellness where they're not harming other people around them yeah for sure yeah when you talk about this connection that you see in sport and social justice I feel like the central pillar to your work at Kona Ocean Camp and maybe just your life in general seems to be just community connection and values, shared values. And I really love that. I think that's such a beautiful central pillar to to your work and hopefully something that draws a lot of people in and it gets people excited about the work that you're doing there. And thank, thank you so you. much. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much for coming on today. I really enjoyed speaking with you. Of course, thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Social Sport. If you want to follow along with Claire's adventurous life, her Instagram handle is at mountain skirts. That's skirts with a Z. You can also learn more about Kona Ocean Camp at KonaOceanCamp.com or on Facebook and Instagram at Kona Ocean Camp. You can find many of the links and resources mentioned in this episode in the show notes at anchor.fm slash socialsport. If you've enjoyed listening to Social Sport so far, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes. I so appreciate it. Thank you. Until next time, keep sporting and keep resisting.